0: Hey guys, this is Ken McRoy, and you are listening to The Mailbox Money Show with Bronson
1: Hill. This is The Mailbox Money Podcast and I am Bronson Hill. As a busy professional, I wrestled with how to grow my income without taking up more of my precious time. I learned that managing real estate, actively trading stocks, or being unable to scale up investments is not passive investing. This is the place where you'll discover new asset classes, develop investing skills, and learn from experts how to become financially free with less work than you thought possible. And now, get ready for truly passive income. Welcome to the Mailbox Money Show. Uh, My name is Bronson Hill. Really excited for this episode. I have Bob Barnodas here who is talking about Franchises. Now, before you turn off and say, I'm not a franchise guy or I don't want to own a McDonald's or a subway or whatever, this guy is doing some really unique stuff within, you know, scaling up kind of emerging franchises. He said the money is made is not really in buying an established, you know, like a McDonald's or or a subway. It's buying some of these ones that are, are they're up and coming, or there's a way as a passive investor where you can potentially provide funding or scale up or provide a group that actually helps to finance and scale up an owner that maybe owns you know, two, three, four, five locations and you're gonna help them to go further. Because if you're an owner, it's very difficult to do that. But this interview is really fun. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Love to hear some feedback on this. I'm personally very interested in this. So let's jump in. All right. Really excited to have you, Bob. How are you today? Um great, Bronson. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Um yeah, we kind of discovered I think in the pre-call here and the before we started recording, um, that we were in the kind of in the same area last week. I didn't know you are in you're in Pennsylvania kind of in the Lancaster area I was out there for some meetings and stuff beautiful area out there. Uh love
0: the area grew up in this area moved around the country but found my way back to my roots. Love this area.
1: That's awesome. It's beautiful. I hear the fall is really beautiful too. I would love to get out there in the fall sometime. So it is.
0: I could do without the winter but up to the fall it's perfect.
1: So Bob, you have something that's really interesting to me that your experience, your biography is just super fascinating. Um uh for, you know, our listeners, you know, I have really found this private equity roll-up strategy, the franchise strategy, even sometimes just financing to help uh, franchisees, or if somebody actually you know starts a franchise business, it's potentially a way that you can grow passive wealth, or you grow wealth and you're passionate about it, maybe you do you spend your time in the business, but eventually, there is the ability to scale. But I'm excited to have you talk. You've done a lot of things. You own a lot of franchises. Can you talk a lot about your, a little bit about your experience? I know you just had an acquisition of a six-unit franchise recently, and just talk a little bit about kind of how you got started with franchises. Some of your background.
0: Sure. Uh, broke into franchising back in 1986 in the in the video industry, which a lot of your listeners may not even know what that is at this DVD,
1: point. These tapes, these tapes like DVDs, you put them into something <laughs> and like screaming without right. screaming. Right.
0: Yeah, forget the DVDs. It was back in the VHS days <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Where, where you're paying 60, 70, 80 bucks for a single copy of a new release and you're renting it for $2. So you needed a lot of rentals. But it was it was still a lucrative business and had its time. But, you know, what technology did to that industry. But I've owned several franchise concepts that I've built and sold over the years, been consulting for a couple of decades uh, as well. I was CEO of a national chain and we we sold that concept to a larger to a larger group, but uh, yeah, my whole my whole career, my whole life is all uh, has been pretty much in, in franchising.
1: That's great. So um, I think so. A franchise. Just so those that aren't as familiar, obviously, we've all been to you know a McDonald's or a Chick fil A or a car wash, and you know, we understand, okay, these things are franchised. But what does it mean? Like, why would somebody buy a franchise? Because typically, you buy a location or a territory or one unit or whatever it is. Why would you do that rather than start your own? restaurants or your own business? Like what's the benefit to having a franchise?
0: Well, I mean, your your success rate is going to be infinitely higher with a franchise because you are buying a proven model. uh, And the right franchise companies have put a lot of tools in place to support their franchisees. So there's an old adage about franchising, corny, but it's accurate. You're in business for yourself, but not by yourself, right? Uh, So there's so many Uh, I mean, there's plenty of franchises you don't want to go anywhere near, but there's some really, really good concepts out there as well. And the better franchises, they take on a mentality of of your success is our success, meaning the more successful their franchisees are, the more successful the franchise company uh, happens to be. So when it comes to like models and franchising, most franchise companies, at least the better ones, they make money almost entirely or strictly on their royalty fee. They're not making money on uh, up front because they it what it takes to launch a franchise, a new franchisee, a lot of resources are spent in the early stages. There's a lot of pass through things like things they may charge you for. But usually, you know, you're gaining economy scales with those things simply because if you had to go out and buy them yourself, it's going to cost you considerably more. So those things tend to be passed through. So if they have a six, seven, eight percent royalty fee, that's where they make their money. And hopefully they're giving you enough value and charging by charging you that that. It's a better way to go. I mean, I, I'll give you one example. I mean, I've placed uh, a lot of people into I wouldn't name the concept, but it, it's a gutter concept. They install gutters on homes. And it sounds yeah. like the average franchisee is doing 1.7 and reliably dropping about 25% to the bottom, to the bottom wow. line on an investment that is in a quarter million dollar range.
1: Yeah. Um right.
0: there, there there's a couple of people that are part of that organization that became franchisees that were pre- previous previously gutter contractors. One uh, uh folk functioning in the san antonio area he was doing three four hundred k a year uh with on his own he became a, a franchisee of this concept and three years later he's in the three million dollar range in revenue so that's what the perfect example of what a good franchise model can do for you
1: yeah i know it's it's really amazing i think uh you really you know you hit on a lot of things there but the idea of you know you're you're not just Starting a business, you have something that's kind of in in the box. Here's the model. Here's the plans. Here's the menus. Here's the structure. Here's how you do all these different things. And there's a lot of support. There's a lot of training that goes into that. But it's interesting, you know. I look at businesses like a restaurant in general is not a great business because it's very labor intensive. People, we know people that you know we're trying to develop mailbox money, right? This is the mailbox money show. How do we develop passive income? It's not very passive, but if you can create. Multiple locations, and you can learn that process, and then you can basically have other people launch and take and run with it. And maybe provide different things, then you've got a scalable system. That's how McDonald's has become you know, so mm-hmm. successful in these groups because it's a you go to McDonald's or Starbucks is not a franchise, but you go to locations of Starbucks, it feels very similar. Same with McDonald's mm-hmm. or some of those other things. So it is really, uh, really great. Uh, I want you to talk about two aspects of franchises. And again, this for our listeners, this is not to sell anyone on hey, you should buy or start a franchise, but there's a passive way to be involved with franchises. There's some that are more passive or even ways that we get involved in franchises where we have our car wash sure. you know, with Tommy's Express car wash where we um, basically it's 150 locations and we're in a part of scaling up, kind of doing a private equity roll-up strategy where you're high, trying to sell for a higher multiple. There's passive ways to be involved and there's active ways. So can you talk maybe, I guess mean, for people that are more passive what are what are things they might find interesting or or are there some maybe franchises just if they could have direct ownership that are more passive?
0: Yeah. And and look, there's there's really two different levels of that. There's semi passive concepts and then there's passive concepts, even passive concepts. There's some time involvement, but it may only be a few hours a week, like you mentioned, a self-serve type of of car wash. There's also, you know, laundromats. There's salon suite concepts. Often those are more real estate plays anyway. I, you know, in my opinion, the most bang for the buck is with semi passive franchises. You are going to trade some of your time, but have a much greater return on investment. Like you mentioned at the beginning, I mean, I just bought uh, with my small investment team that I put together, we bought the developmental rights to six units. I mean, the unit economics, these are this is a semi passive concept. That means typically an owner can operate it by putting in 10 to 20 hours a week in the early stages. Eventually that should become less and less. Once you have competent people in place, your systems are running nice and smoothly, but the unit economics on it are just off the charts. And the reason being is, is, and and that's why I should say, that's why you're seeing this brand sell out virtually overnight across the country. The dirty little secret about franchising is that it's all about it, it, it. The, the, top concepts that you can get into are emerging brands because if you're hearing about a brand you recognize the brand typically means it's sold out in your in your market so mm-hmm. if you can get in a franchise at the right time and there's enough territory for scalability then you may have something and to your point also um franchises are constantly getting bought up right now you probably know the trend is happening by yeah. pe That's coming amazing. in and buying into or buying these franchises outright, but it's not just the franchises, but they're also buying up some of the larger franchisees. And in some case, some of the smaller franchisees, let's say three units and up. So the the the, the investment that I just made, what we are positioning for, given the fact that this is one of the fastest selling brands in the country, it'll be done nationwide in a, in a year. And it was, it's pretty new, uh, but we're positioning to be hopefully part of some roll-up should that day come. But regardless, to be able to sell something like that at a really strong, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight multiple of earnings is, and, and given the startup cost to each unit, three, $325,000. It's not yeah. a lot of money yet when you look at, and I, I can't get into this, but when you look at the top line and bottom, line, I mean, it's dropping a good third to the bottom line. And yeah. it, talking well north of a million dollars, the average unit's doing.
1: And I shared this with you before we start as well. I have a friend who's in his 80s, and he uh, has made a ton of money. You know, he's you know net worth north of you know three three to five hundred million or so. And he basically said there's a couple strategies he's done to really grow a lot of wealth, and this is one of them, where he would come to um, a group that operates franchises. So someone you know who's got you know three, four, five, six locations, whatever, and they're looking to scale. And basically, you know, there's funding, maybe there's SBA, there's some funding in the beginning, whatever, but it's hard to kind of really get things scaled up beyond that. So he would come and say, hey, I'll, I'll pro- let's be partners and I'll help provide equity for you. And you, again, you have a proven model, you have a good operator, and then they would grow. And it's eventually maybe he'd buy that person out and have a CEO come in and take that over. But they've done this with kind of a doggy daycare or dog training type of thing, gotten to a couple hundred locations. And it has just been phenomenal, right? So if you have a great yeah, business... Cool. Um, can you talk a little bit about um you know the there's a lot of and I love what you said I think this is a real good takeaway is it's not just you know brands you know everything's oh I should own a subway or I should own a McDonald's or whatever so, well that's there's not as you're not going to make as much there because it's not emerging it's not something that's like a great concept you want to catch it kind of on the way up I know uh Cody Sanchez is uh, kind of a, a nationally known person who d- buys boring businesses she says like, I buy boring businesses right. and so um, I know there's also a lot of boomers that maybe have franchises or have things you're looking for retirement or things like that. Is this also a way to maybe come to people that have some of these or, you know, you're buying maybe from a previous owner that doesn't really operate as well. And maybe you can come in and add some value and say, Hey, we're going to increasing maybe somebody's kind of tired of owning it. or they have other things going on? And it could be something that you could focus on. Like who are like, I guess what are some of the great strategies when you're coming in looking at like the person who's selling this and their motivations for selling about how you could come in and, and really have a win there.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, from the perspective of of your your listeners, can they come in and buy some of these franchises they are underperforming or a few locations? Is that your question?
1: Um, yeah, I guess the question really is, uh, you know, the opportunity as an investor, you um, could be buying from. Well, one could be scaling. One could be like the mm-hmm. example of my friend of scaling. The other could be just, hey, you know, I'm I'm coming in as a friend, somebody who's interested in franchises, and you know, who could be a potential like target to take over. So I guess there's two questions there. There's two different questions. One is about scaling okay. up with an existing person. One would be more about you actively coming in. So maybe we can take those separately if you want. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. And, and so let, let's touch on the on the latter first. Uh, I always discuss upfront with any client that I that I take on about the possibility of scaling. And there's so many different ways you can do that. And I, I'm scaling with a brick and mortar concept. It's not retail, it goes into uh, office space, medical parks. So the cost is a little bit less as opposed to brick and mortar retail build out, which is considerably higher. But there's also scaling with concepts. And and to your point about uh, uh, boring businesses, I mean, I love the category, anything home service related, that's been the strongest category in franchising for the last six years, only getting stronger baby boomers with a do it yourself generation they aged out of it. Young people aren't going into the trades anymore, so it's leaving a void, yet there's tremendous demand. It's a very fragmented mom-and-pop industry. What I like about that category, and I've placed so many of my clients in it, is that scaling does not involve opening multiple brick-and-mortar locations. In other words, you can come into it, and you can have one centralized location, and that might be an office, it might be some flex space, maybe a small warehouse with some office, uh, office space in it and over to, and but you buy multiple territories in other words you buy multiple franchise so let's say it's a concept in the first the first franchise to get up and running stood up everything you need to have it uh, operating and then let's say the second franchise might be forty thousand dollars the third franchise may be thirty thousand the fourth franchise may be seven five. so now you tripled or quadrupled your geographic footprint in effect tripling or quadrupling what your financial upside can be so i'm always of the opinion scale horizontally first and own as much territory as possible with these types of concepts you're not going to spend a lot of money Uh, like you would with a brick-and-mortar retail concept, and then you scale into them maybe by adding vehicles. or. And many of these concepts now have developed uh, semi-passive models. The trend in franchising is semi-passive. More and more of these concepts have developed platforms, meaning more support tools to allow you to start the business putting in 10, 15, 20 hours a week. But then you can scale back from that pretty quickly. Once you've scaled... I'm sorry, go
1: ahead. Oh no that's that's i think i like the idea of semi-passive where yeah it's it's basically you get it set up you're doing enough and then maybe eventually you can have a team member or somebody help you with that right maybe there's some help you can bring in to help on the owner side
0: yeah i mean anything look anything you start eventually can become semi-passive and eventually can become passive unless it's a consulting type of concept like what i'm doing right now if i stop doing it i stop making money but the franchise that i own i'm not going to put much time into it at all and the person who will be operating on a semi-passive basis eventually they're going to be able to back off more and more but that's the whole in my opinion the, the whole point of franchising is to leverage other people and eventually you're not spending time now if you have to spend 10 20 hours a week for the first year to really get it up and running but your return on investment is going to be infinitely better than some things that might be more passive you mentioned the concept earlier, it's a great concept. There's car washes, there's uh, salon suite concepts. These are passive concepts, laundromats, but typically you're, you're million plus, two million plus for those types of concepts. I'm a big believer, you don't need to spend a lot, especially if you get into those service type businesses that have every bit the upside, but you might spend you know, $400,000 on multiple territories that you scale into over time. It also puts you in a good position to scale vertically at some point, meaning you own one concept, let's say it's a service related concept, pick something a home house painting, whatever it happens to be. Uh, Insulation is really strong right now. But then let's say a year, two years later, you add a second brand, you introduce it to the same customer base that already knows and trusts your first brand, you're gaining economies of scale, your cost of customer acquisition is going down, you stand up that brand more quickly and you start to scale vertically as well as horizontally.
1: Yeah, that's great. No, I think that's, I think that's great. It's interesting. Yeah. You said you don't need that much money to to get it going or that, you know, big of an investment to get started. Um, what are, what are some, I mean, you mentioned a few different concepts. If someone wants to be a little more passive, it doesn't want to put, you know, a ton of money in what are, what are some interesting things that are out there now? I mean, maybe not specifically, but just what sort of industries or what sort of concepts sure, sure. are you seeing? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, salon suite concept. Uh, I mean, if I were to get into something, car washes are always, always great. Salon suites, I like, and that's simply you're taking space, maybe four or five, 7,000 square feet. It's it's nice retail space. It's all built out. Now, your investment might be north of a million dollars to do that. Uh, you're not going to see, you know, a, a huge return on your investment. But is it reasonable to see a quarter million dollars a year? Let, I mean, maybe even a 100% cash on cash return on your money on those types of concepts, but you might be spending a few hours a month, no employees, because it's you become a landlord, it's rental, yeah. you're basically doing this beautiful build out and providing a home for people in the beauty industry, and they pay you on a weekly basis, maybe 350, 450, 500 bucks a week for that space, but that's still a lot better than working for someone else and just getting a, you know, a much smaller payday. And most of them cannot afford to go out on their own and do the build out necessary to have a nice salon.
1: Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. So, so that's a, a, and and I guess, you know, one thing to look at too here is, is looking at your market, right. Seeing, you know, I guess there's every one of these has a a degree of market research, or you're looking at, you know, like I live in Los Angeles area, you live in Pennsylvania. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, in certain areas what is there a need for right when you're looking at a, a specific market like oh hey we're seeing that whenever i see this type of business or i'm seeing demand or growth in this area is that something you also look at as kind of trends as, as they're happening or if there's a ton of you know salon suites already maybe that's not the best for that area maybe there's something else or a car wash or something that could work there is that those considerations sure. that go on as well? yeah.
0: yeah i mean it's going to depend on demographics in the area i mean look even Things that don't appear to be semi-absentee or, or, or passive concepts can become passive. Uh, there's one brand family that I work with, and I, I can't name them, but they own a, a slew of brands. They've created a platform, and they've put a ton of money into this platform and, and a lot of experience behind the founders of this company. They created a, pl- a platform that, that really takes the support up to another level. It's a managed to manager model. They are in the service space, and that can be B2C or B2B, home service or, or B2B, working with, uh, with, with, uh, with contractors or whatnot. But they created a platform with a national call center. They're handling all of the admin, really for the franchisees. They do the hiring for the franchisees. Basically, you can step into the model and that is a manage to manager model. They even help you hire the general manager that's going to run the concept. Theoretically, yeah, you can put a handful of hours in per week, maybe 10 hours a month, and you can operate a concept like that. Once it's stood up and you feel comfortable with your GM to handle it by themselves, you can back off even more.
1: Yeah. How do you? So I know you mentioned on the prior example of the salon suite, a million dollars. You know, if somebody doesn't have a million dollars up front or in cash, is there? I mean, is there some financing available for something like that? Typically, so is it SBA loans? Is there yep. some the, the franchise will help you as well? I and mean, like, how much? Yeah. How much down in a situation like that? Like, what's the right what, way? like twenty percent down or fifty percent down or what? Would be? I, I mean,
0: it really depends upon the concept and how comfortable they are with the with the buyer. I mean, and, and it could be on a low end anywhere from ten percent down up to maybe twenty five percent down. But, uh, I mean, there's a rule of thumb. I would say twenty percent uh is reasonable. I, I work with some of the largest funding entities that, that strictly work with franchise companies. Lots of different instruments that we could potentially talk about. SBA is one instrument, 401k rollover is another instrument for uh portfolio loans, there's lots of different ways that we could potentially go. That's part of the service that I provide. I I work with clients to help them procure the financing.
1: Yeah, that's great. I think that's uh that's really interesting to figure out you know if there's ways that you can finance it that make it that make it easier. Um, so I guess you know if somebody's interested in this space um, obviously you're someone like yourself, you're someone that you you educate people on this, you get a fee for kind of placing people in the different franchises um, are there are there any other resources that are out there? I imagine it's a pretty quick changing space so it's like a book would be kind of outdated. there's websites, things trying to sell people stuff but is there any like any any sort of educational pieces or videos or things that you'd recommend people do to kind of learn more about? Hey, I'm interested in investing in a franchise type model.
0: Yeah, there's lots of books, and and you're right, they do become dated pretty quickly, especially with the advent of these semi passive uh, types of concepts. But uh, if you go to my website, there's a lot of resources on my on my website, I do recommend some some books. I, I have a, uh, an any book myself that you can download for for free. Um, but it, it, it ideally find a mentor, somebody that understands the franchise space, somebody that has spent a lot of time in the franchise space, preferably somebody that has been on both sides of franchising as a franchisee, and then on the franchisor side, because you get two distinctly different viewpoints from that. Um, but, but franchising in general, there's a ton of information out there, unfortunately, it most of it's not on the internet. So when you do franchise searches searches, you're landing on portals and they're trying to sell you something. And I will tell you most of the better franchise companies, they don't advertise that way.
1: Who's the like ideal person to buy a franchise? Is somebody like I'm thinking if somebody's retired or maybe still got feel like they got some more juice in the tank, they're in their 50s or 60s, or maybe they or maybe they have had a business or left a job and they're you know, maybe they're younger than that, but they they really feel a motivation or a passion in that particular space. Or what, what are some of the like ideal people that do this?
0: You know, that's a really interesting question because I've seen that change over the years. I mean, previously, most of my clients, I'd say average in their mid 50s and they were just tired. I mean, executives, yeah. really good money just tired uh they you know making good money but putting in 50 60 sometimes 70 hours a week and they know they can't maintain maintain that pace forever so that was my typical client and I work with a lot of franchise investors that own franchises and they're looking for the next greatest something they can really scale uh but more recently I've had a lot of clients who were in their 30s even some who were in their 20s then they've been able to put a little cash together who were who were really interested um uh, but uh, uh, typically, it's someone coming from corporate America. It's an executive. They have a pretty good, pretty decent net worth. Uh, they're making good money, and most of my clients are are looking for semi passive or passive. But most are semi passive. They're willing to trade some of their time for uh, for a really good return, uh, and they they want an off ramp. They want to get out of corporate America eventually, and they want to replace their their income or some
1: yeah. passive. Um we have a few more minutes here Bob but I wanted to ask you um uh you know you mentioned you had your concept you're doing before you mentioned you had some investors that were joining you on that journey as well mm-hmm. is that set up like a syndication or something like a private like kind of like a private placement deal for no, the it, investors? It,
0: it, it's a private placement deal right. these are all people that I knew one it started out one was a client that I was working with and simply didn't have enough to open a single unit with this with this particular concept so I like the concept, and sometimes when I come across a concept that I like, I'll throw that out there. Hey, look, I may be, if I feel comfortable with the, with the operator, if I feel comfortable with the market he's in, uh, and I like the concept, I may throw that out there. I did in this case, and he said, yeah, I'd love to have you come in with me. And then all of a sudden, one turned into three, which then turned into six. So I brought in a couple of other people as well.
1: Yeah, that, I think that's a really cool concept. You know, I, I syndicate, we have our real estate and our other alternative funds that we've done. And it's just, it seems like a great idea for those that, you know, maybe, um, maybe even if they haven't done it, but they you know, are interested in doing it to be able to, you know, buy those additional locations for the ability to expand. Or maybe somebody has one location and they can get more and they can they can say, hey, we, here's a way we can kind of eventually build uh, you know, up to this. But I think uh, the idea of, you know, a lot of times what really limits, at least a model like this, I imagine just having the capital yep. up front or even the capital to scale. And that's where, like I mentioned, my friend who's super successful has just found a way to help scale some of those. So there's another way to kind of, sure. hey, you know, someone's got multiple locations. Could I, as a passive investor, come in and help them scale? Absolutely. You know, yeah, a way you can create absolutely. a model that makes a lot of sense. So, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Look, and the, and the variables are, is it a good market for the concept? Is it a strong up and coming concept? Is there good territory still available? With that concept, and do you trust the operator? If those things all line up, I think there's really good opportunity. And, and do you have the market enough market to scale into?
1: Yeah. Uh, what's What's one lesson you wish you had known earlier about franchises? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Uh, I, I wish that
0: I never got involved in the food space. I don't usually tell this story. <laughs> no, but, please tell uh, it. <laughs> look, I, I broke my own cardinal rule. And I, I've said, as long as I broke into, fra- from when I first broke into franchising, I will never get into food. I was <laughs> approached by someone who I knew. and was a very successful operator. He owned a whole slew of sports bars uh, in, in Des Moines, Iowa and surrounding areas. But he started this concept. It was a Mongolian grill concept and he opened a unit uh I first stiff-armed him wanted nothing to do with it but he opened the unit he was on a run rate after six months to do three million in his first in his first year he caught my attention I franchised the concept I helped him uh sell the first handful of franchises which were on the east coast and I invested heavily into it myself um didn't work out so well. Didn't they did out. not translate to the east coast and food can be so darn fickle and then eventually even that unit it was kicking butt it it eventually closed down. So wow. Yeah, I I, I stay far away from Food. The margins are low. I mean, too many opportunities to to screw up in food and labor. Really, really difficulties.
1: It it kind of brings up too the the I found the more labor intensive businesses, such as a restaurant or Mm -hmm. like a dry cleaner or something, where someone's got to be there all the time. You know, I have have a friend that their parents ran a dry cleaner, and it was like they were just there all the time. It was like they'd go to school to the dry cleaner after school to go see their parents because like that's where their parents always were. It's just not a very scalable thing. So I like. Really like that idea. Well, Bob, um, I just wanted to say, I really appreciate you. Um, you bring a lot of savvy to the space and it's obvious that you're, you're doing stuff not only for yourself and we love bringing people on that are knowledgeable of different assets, but also have experience with those assets. You have a ton of experience, you know, investing in the asset as well as placing people there. So that's really wonderful. Um, how can people get in touch with you if they want to connect?
0: Uh, they can go to my website. It's franchisewithbob.com real simple uh there just schedule a time with me you can schedule a 30-minute call i'll be happy to uh spend a little time with you assess your situation you can also download my my ebook or just reach out to me through the website and i'll be happy to talk
1: awesome bob well franchise with bob i'm really excited to have you here excited for this episode to go live and uh thanks again for for being with us today
0: i thank you very much really enjoyed it
1: i really enjoyed this interview i loved uh what he shared just uh, some of his secrets about you know franchises um you know cody sanchez if you follow cody she talks about you know buying boring businesses right doesn't it be that sexy of a business but if it just makes sense and people can get behind the concept and it makes money right a lot of great businesses are not exciting like a gutter business well who (laughs) doesn't sound very exciting but if you're making big time money it doesn't really matter how exciting it is there's a need there right so sometimes the non-sexy businesses are the ones that actually can generate a lot of cash. So we do that in our car wash deals, ATM funds, different types of things. We got some new deals we're working on right now. We're continually working on new stuff uh, outside of real estate. Um, and it's amazing with franchises, they also can be financed. So a lot of times only, you know, for the franchise fees or even some of the startup fees, sometimes as you can finance, uh, you know, said usually around 80% of the total cost, which is really amazing, right? So then there's a lot of ways to be able to uh, put financing in there. so I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, again this is uh, really great to learn about this has multiple different assets within there. Um, you know you've got restaurants you've got car washes you've got uh, other you know personal development or health stuff in there you got all many many franchises there's so many different types but uh, the model is the same and that's what's really amazing So I really enjoyed this encourage you to take a look at it and reach out to Bob if you're interested. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Mailbox Money Show. You've been listening to The Mailbox Money Podcast. For more free resources, articles, and videos, go to bronsonequity.com. There you can download your copy of the special report, The Single Best Investment Strategy During and After a Pandemic. None of the information shared here is an offer to buy a specific investment, and this is for educational purposes only. Consult your financial, legal, and tax professionals, and use your own common sense before making any investment decisions. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to tune in next time for more Mailbox Money.